There is no surprise more magical than the surprise of being loved. Charles Morgan. Bending Not Breaking, a Patreon exclusive. And we're back with another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine. And this is Ben. And because it's a Patreon exclusive, specifically a Max's Choice. Max's Choice. Guess who's here with us? Um, We have a guess. You don't have to guess. It's He's going to be speaking a lot more this episode. Because Max chose over the hedge. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you all today? Oh, you said well and not good. I'm glad that you're well. Are you good also? I'd like to think that I am a good person, yes. I think you're good. That's up for our patrons to I decide. We all, you're not necessarily inherent. I think, I think people are inherently good. Yeah. But like, am I a good person? I think that that. Yeah, Max is a good person. I think, I think everyone the has the ability to be a good person. I think it fluctuates. Yeah, I'm not talking about the, the ability. Moments. I'm yeah. saying he is. Pud Gerson. Yep. And Max chose this <laughs> month for us to watch Over the Hedge. Over? 2006 the animated. Hedge. Can we? Is it a classic? Interesting Would we call choice. It a classic? I wouldn't call it a classic. Is it DreamWorks' best film of all time? Mm, no. Shrek. People love Shrek. Is it the greatest Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara vehicle out there? No. Also, no. Not even <laughs> close. Uh, Shit's Creek is so good. Yeah. Why aren't you choosing that for Max's choice? Because this is the greatest Eugene Levy, <laughs> Catherine <laughs> O'Hara vehicle I, out there. Are you really going to stand on that? I mean, no. like, is that going to be the I mean, like best in <laughs> no. show? Literally, or... literally, all they gave Catherine O'Hara to say is jeepers. I, that's it, right? She, she got paid so much money to do so little. I, I, we don't know how much she got paid. I don't even know who she was. She was, she was uh, Eugene Levy's wife uh, for the uh, porcupines, the porcupine parents. Oh. Yeah. Just a little She's bit great. of yeah, just a little bit of what are the names? Let's see if I can find them. Uh, Lou and Penny. Yeah, I knew Penny. Lou and Penny. I knew Penny was one of them. And Pen, Penny Porcupine. And then the uh, the daughter possum Heather. Avril Lavigne. Oh, yeah. Wow. Having to play dead certainly makes things so complicated. Wow, so complicated. Yeah, yeah. It's just possums trying to keep their head above water, you know. There should have been a love interest for Heather in this movie, and she just says, hey, hey, you, you, <laughs> you could be my boyfriend. Yeah. That's not how the actual song goes, but... I also think that song came out after. Maybe she was inspired by her Maybe role... Maybe close to. Maybe she was inspired by her role in Over the Hedge. All the voices sound like a little weird, a little bit off in this movie. I agree. Like, I like, was they, like, like you're like, that's Bruce Willis if they sped it up a little bit and made it a little higher pitched. That's how I felt about Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. And Steve Carell. So I think that's probably what they did a little bit was they, uh, it seems like they sped it up a little bit. And, and then Gary Shandling, R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Can we, like, how, we just named some superstars. DreamWorks has that ability to pull in actors into some very mediocre And we, we haven't even movies. mentioned William Shatner yet. Shatner, Thomas Hayden Church, who's actually pretty good. Yeah. Nick you, Nolte? Allison Janney right. is in this movie. You go, CJ. As uh, I do not, I like her in almost everything. I hate her in this. Not like her performance, just her character. Right. Well, you're she supposed the HOA to. Lady? She is the HOA oh, lady. Oh, God. She's terrorist. She's the villain. Well, she and Nick Nolte, not Nick Nolte. Nick Thomas Nolte. Hayden Church. Yes. Nick Nolte's the bear. Yes. 
also kind of a villain. Kind of a villain. Wow, is this a tri-villain movie? Yeah, there's three. How many tri-villain movies are there out there? Well, there's a few. Uh, mostly Spider-Man 3. Uh, pretty bad. Also with Thomas Hayden Church as one of the villains. Maybe Thomas <laughs> Hayden Church is only good as a villain if he's one of three. No, that movie is bad. I haven't seen Spider-Man it. Spider-Man 3 is not good. I haven't Name a superhero movie and I'll tell you a movie I haven't seen. You've uh, never seen any superhero movie? I haven't seen many of them. I've seen probably 4% of them. Black Panther? Nope. Endgame? Nope. Iron Man? Uh, yes. Okay. There's one. That, so that we just hit our 4% clip. There we go. That's the one. That's the one superhero movie. One out of three is 4%. Donnie right? Darko. <laughs> no. Is that a super... What? Yeah, it's a really? superhero movie. Absolutely. That, mm, oh, okay. Absolutely. I'm going to call that a... Do a what hard, lens hard did we watch flick. this through? Surprise! I'm so surprised. that I kind of liked it. You're surprised that you kind of liked it? Yeah. I did, was not expecting to like this movie. I like this movie fine. It was my, it was fine. That's my, that's my my pitch thing. was to do this movie through a lens of pleasant surprise, um, but we decided to broaden it a little bit to include all types of surprise. How many types of surprise are there beyond pleasant? Uh, any on, sort on of pleasant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's you can just add any sort of adjective in front of it, and then you have that type a of terrifying surprise. surprise. Fluffy surprise. Yeah, fluffy surprise. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. could exist. Yeah. It's like when the dog in the movie wants to play. It's a fluffy surprise. It's when the bear play? shows up in your nightmare. Play? A fluffy surprise. Ah. All right. Well, we've covered a bunch of different surprises in this movie already. Yeah. Yep. All right. So that's the end of the episode. I like a food and surprise when someone's like, here's nachos. for joining us. Well, that's a surprise. But food isn't an adjective. No, but it's still a surprise. It's pleasant when someone says, here's some nachos. Here's some nachos. Ha! I'm surprised by these nachos. Uh, yesterday... Today, well, it doesn't matter because time is a ceaseless object. It's relative. But recently, I celebrated an important food surprise anniversary. Hanukkah? No. That was a that was more of an oil surprise than a food surprise. Uh, I see. Um, but recently, I celebrated a food surprise anniversary. Uh, it was on, I believe, December 30th of 2013 that my buddy Michael and I were... Hanging out. How does one remember these things? Continue. Enjoying ourselves. And suddenly a pizza arrived at our doorstep. Like, And it was it was a great food surprise. And we found out that a, another friend of ours had ordered us a pizza from many miles away. But you had tweeted like, oh, anyone want to buy us a pizza? Yeah, I think something like that happened. And somebody bought us a pizza to be delivered to our Michael's address. Surprise. Wow. Now, I love surprises. So, yeah, I, that, all that to say, I do like a food surprise. Well, Max, I think you're going to surprise us this time with your exceptional recap of the movie. You only get 30 seconds. That's fine. That should and, be plenty. And you're, you're going to nail the entire movie, all the details that happen. You're going to help us remember everything because I forgot, and I'm only going to be able to talk about whatever you talk about. So here we go. On your mark, get set. 30 seconds on the clock, go. RJ is a raccoon on a mission. After a run-in with... still going with on a, You can't interrupt me in the midst of my 30-second recap. That's 10 seconds. In the midst, after, after a run-in with Vincent the bear, RJ loses all of the bear's hibernation food and has a week to get all the food back or else Vincent the bear is going to kill him. 15 seconds That's left. That's the plot. He heads to a suburb 
where he finds a bunch of foragers, including a turtle, some porcupines, and other animals, and they decide, as a, as, a, as a family, they're going to go try to uh, collect a bunch of food in a week from all the suburb people with trash and, and stuff. Stop. And all kinds of chaos happens. You got through, like, the first, what, ten minutes? He's really good at summarizing the, the like, the... The IMDb plot, yeah, <laughs> like the like the description of the plot without all you have to do giving any spoilers. You, yeah, and that's what I do. I, it's important not to give spoilers. No, we're giving spoilers because we're talking about that we the give show. Spoilers. See, but we're going to be talking about it for the next I don't know forty five minutes. So like, why do I have to give a recap if we're just going to be talking about it anyway? Why do we do recaps? Thank you. To cover the whole episode because we we tend to like dive into specific moments, and so we try to give an overview of everything that happened. Again, point a point B. patrons, interesting. I would encourage you, at least for Max's choice episodes, find out what piece of media we witnessed, and then go enjoy that piece of media, <laughs> and then listen to the episode. Don't rely on like me to make sense in a recap. By now, you should know that. We could always just make up for it and all do recaps just to make sure we hit no, everything. No, we already did, Ben and I we we do enough recaps. Yeah, that's I agree. not what the patrons want. They don't want they don't want more recap. They want more They want quick recap. Right. That's which I which which I delivered. <laughs> Debatable. Surprise is an emotion that a person might feel if something unexpected happens. For example, a person may feel surprised at a loud sudden noise, like the popping of a balloon. Or they may feel surprised at the outcome of an event. The feeling of surprise can be both good or bad, depending on the circumstance. Thank you. Simple Wikipedia. Nailed it. <laughs> Wait, simple Wikipedia is a, is a thing now? Yeah, simple.wikipedia. I think it really takes complex issues and just, just puts in a little bow. Puts in a little bow. I didn't know we needed that. Is there a simple Wikipedia page for Wikipedia? I don't know. I doubt it. Let's find out later. If you I wouldn't do, be surprised. You want to do a Max's choice on Wikipedia one day? We can, we can dive into it. How would read, I do a recap of Wikipedia? I don't know. As long as you don't read the, you're just gonna read the description. Read the description of a butterfly. Dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> Sunshine. Yes. Let's listen as Max tells us about his big moment of surprise as he watched this movie. I what's, like, I like what's, to listen. What's a what's a thing that came up for you around surprise, Max? Surprise. Well, you know, like I'm like your special guest and I'm mostly here to just facilitate and react to y'all's conversation as the experts of diving into lenses and things. Max, we always ask our guests first what well, they Lenses notice. and things could be a <laughs> linens and things. Every thing. single time. Well, I didn't know that. Linens and things, is that like a store? I believe so. Was yes. it in this movie? Sponsor Cause if, us. Because if not... <laughs> Sponsor us linens and things. All right. I wrote some things down because I figured this was going to be a tough movie. Wow. I thought there was plenty. All right. Moments of surprise. Um, and away we go. Go. What's going on? One thing that surprised me. <laughs> I know that like I, I've, I, I'm going to look at this through a different angle than I imagine the two of y'all. But like what were things that surprised me? Not necessarily what were some times that the characters were surprised. Uh-huh. But did y'all notice that they cut to these shots of Earth from outer space like more than once as like a, as a way of storytelling? Like the Cheeto puff. The Cheeto Dor puff. The Dorito puff like. The light Atomic explosion. Bomb. Yeah, yeah. When um, the light explosion. When Hammy, Steve Carell's squirrely character, 
takes a sip of caffeine, we get the outer space shot of planet Earth slowing, slowing down. Slowing down and stopping. Like, why did they use that as a storytelling element? What a ridiculous... That was to show how fast he was able to go. No, but that, like, that was a thing they went back to again and again and again is this outer space. Like, why? What a weird choice. Why not? And then there's like... It a, worked. There's a shot of like a, a satellite getting exploded. Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's a very much just like a... That's a surprising thing to me. Why Why was it surprising, Max? What made that surprising? That's just like some directors making a choice. Like, oh, we're going to animate outer space multiple times in this movie about the suburbs and like use it as like almost a, a, a plot driver to make people understand what's happening in this movie. It just, I don't know, it was a little over the top for me. I don't know. Maybe all Lord Asriel needed was the Pellet 3000 to uh, to open up the new worlds. I don't. I, I don't understand that reference. Yeah. Was that a barbecue not breaking reference? Barbecue not breaking. No, that was a. I do love barbecue. I jumped uh, over to his Dark Materials and uh, the Golden Compass. So good. Um, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Can, can we talk about? I don't know why they did that. I don't. That was surprising to me. <laughs> I was not surprised by it. Nor was it felt like it fit it in just, there. Yeah, it felt. I was super like. I was like, one time, I was like, okay, fine. But then when they used that shit, they used at least four or five different shots of planet Earth from outer space. Can we talk about the different emotions that people feel when feeling surprised? Yeah, so, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, What yeah, really yeah, yeah. triggered this for I'm me glad is this. I'm glad that the my talking point brought us to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Sure did. So I'm speaking of Max's surprise in seeing the world, and I'm also thinking of uh, the head showing up after a winter of hibernating. Like this, this your world just kind of utterly being changed after going to sleep and waking back up, and the surprise that comes with that. And so, what are those emotions that you feel, or that you feel like these characters felt in that that moment? And how do we as humans also navigate when we feel like our world is uprooted, uh, in a in a really fast way? Max, uh, can you repeat the question, please? <laughs> Uh, I think some of the emotions that come up around surprise, Max, include uh, sometimes it can be fear. It's a, probably a, an easy one to, to pick out. Anxiety, fear, something like this. And it's the same feeling that we come around like when things change, right? And so change incites this like, oh, no, what's going on? It's all new. And then when they see this hedge, it's like, is this is this friend or foe? Right, they were they were worried. They weren't sure what was coming. Maybe it's just Steve. Pardon? Maybe it's just Steve. Oh, the hedge name. I forgot they named it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so they were they were they were there was unsure. They were unsure. They weren't um, able to know whether it was going to attack them or not. Um, when you're living constantly on edge and living um, by the by the number of grapes, <laughs> uh, when they're in that much of a scarce supply, it seems like you're going to be constantly on alert for what is what is up because you have to be constantly uh, foraging to save yourself and keep yourself alive. Um, for me, when I when I think about what Max was surprised about, I think about like the the driving emotion seemed like curiosity for Max. The driving feeling behind that surprise was like, why? Why did they make that choice, that creative choice, to tell this story? Well, I love that surprise or an unexpected response can create that form of surprise or curiosity in people. I think that's a really cool aspect of being surprised. Yeah, I agree. Like I think that's really this, healthy. Yes, correct. This idea of let's ask questions, let's figure out more. I'm. This is something new and 
and exciting and different, and I'm surprised by it, and I want to chase all of these things that make it the way it is and learn about them. And I think that's something that can, that comes with being surprised for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about me th- watching some of these old horror movies when I was younger Ew. and watching alien and Gross. seeing this alien pop out of this dude. And that surprise of being like, how did that was terrifying? And well, I, and you. I got to know how they did that mm. and, and going Mm-mm. and approaching that. And mm. so Mm-mm-mm-mm. I think that that's, that's really cool. Or watching like Lord of the Rings for the first time. I love that. And and being and I can talk about that. And sitting there and being like, how'd they make Gandalf so tall? He is so and tall. And Frodo so short. Yeah. Forced wow. perspective. It's really cool. It's really neat. But you I think you learn those things when you're surprised by something and it and it sparks that curiosity inside of you. And I think that that's a really cool thing that surprise does. But we can't ignore, you know, Vernon's fear that comes with this of uh, this giant magical thing just popped up here and i don't know if i'm half our forest is gone well and we had a tough time finding food last year well it's interesting because Vern seems like the responsible animal in that group of foragers right all the rest of them seem like they're a, a little less concerned with survival than he is and so he is constantly on the alert and is constantly paying attention and when you're when you play that role in a group it often forces you to consider things that others wouldn't and you become hypersensitive to those things because you believe that's your place right um and so i believe that Vern is kind of in this situation where surprise to him is more threatening than it is to the others because of the amount of responsibility he holds does it make sense yeah so I wonder if people in similar situations who are uh, feel responsible for their for their families, for their their friend groups, for whomever they're they're with, does that responsibility make surprise less? Is it less possible to have that creative response to surprise, and are you more likely to be surprised? And is that going to elicit more fear when you are in that that headspace? Does it make sense too? I think it does. It it makes me th- when something is working enough or like working now, mm-hmm. there's a fear of change from that. Yeah. Even if next year it might not work or 6 minutes from now it might not work. This idea of well it's been working for me. I'm I'm not going to change from this because it's gotten me this far. I don't want any surprises. I want to know exactly what's happening. I want to know exactly how much food I'm going to have. Um but it almost can act as a hindrance to us being adaptable in a way that is necessary for survival. Yeah. It's tough. It almost, it's so how do we use this surprise as a way to spark curiosity, to spark inquisitiveness, to, to facilitate learning, but do it in a way that's also safe because we can't just go jump into everything that's unknown. We can't just go over the hedge. You know, there's real dangers that were over there. Um, that they had to learn how to navigate. And so how do we make sure we don't lose that curiosity, but also have a little bit of Vern in us and, and, and maintain a little bit of that? How do we keep ourselves and our family safe through those, those processes? But also I think what we see through this movie is a little, we, it drives us a little bit towards balance. We need to have a little bit of Vern, but we also need to have a little bit of RJ. Just a little bit. 
right? <laughs> but like seriously, yeah. like the, like the the balance that comes is we need to sometimes let things go and sometimes we need to really be intentional about listening to our tail, right? When it vibrates. Yeah. That doesn't mean manipulate other people to get what you want. Correct. That's not the part of RJ That's you should be taking correct. on. Correct. <laughs> I'm not saying we should like, and we need a little bit of manipulation. That's not what we're saying here. I, I think it's being, it's the willingness to, to cross to the other side as well as the willingness to listen to our tail. Yeah, Max. What do you got to add? No, that was that was great fodder. You gonna store that for winter? Yeah. Thank you for letting foraging that conversation. I love it. It's interesting to me. This is gonna be a weird little tangent. Okay. I. Uh, that's what we all hope for. Uh, it's still it's still what relevant, but it might not work. And, and Ben, you were closer to being a teacher than I was, but neither one of us. There are no have, elephants have in been, this movie. Have been teachers, and so. It almost feels like that's how education works for us, is this idea of if we know that, that that surprise can cultivate curiosity and cultivate this wanting to learn. And we typically, in our own lives, we remember the things that are surprising to us, right? Like you don't typically remember the color of every house that you drive by, but you do remember when you see that a tree's down on your way to work that you've driven you know, a hundred times. Sure. So if we know that we retain surprising things more often and remember them and those typically ingrain into the stories that we tell, surprising moments in our lives, and those are the things that we latch on to. But in teaching, and I, I read an article that kind of went through this, it's this understanding of we want to we want to ensure that they're getting these things, and so that doesn't leave a lot of room for surprise. We've got to do this curriculum, and it's got to be taught this way, and it's very similar every single day to give to make sure that you know this is something that's familiar. And so, do we lose a lot of that aspect of learning, or do we not use surprise when we're teaching because our tails wagging a little too much, or are we feeling it too much in our tails? Like how like how does that play in because the, the summation of this article that I read was essentially the more surprise that we can bring into the learning environment and the more we can change things up and make things different, the more people are going to learn and retain information. No, I totally believe that incorporating surprise into your lesson plans is important. I think that that's pretty integral, frankly. Otherwise, like, if you know what you're expecting every day, that's inherently going to be boring and so incorporating surprise doesn't mean that you're not going to like for instance let's think about in terms of uh like a sports team right if you are leading warm-ups for your group you're not going to lead the same warm-ups every day or you're not going to do all right monday we're going to do this type of warm-up and then you have like your weekly schedule if you keep that schedule every time that's fine but how can you incorporate tweak it just a little bit so it's different are you so instead of um doing these stretches in uh small groups let's do it in a circle today that is that that's enough change where oh this is this is a little different this is this is the same stretch but we're just going to do it in a different way and then on wednesday we're going to do it in triangles and then on friday we get to like freestyle do your own stretch right and so like there's this element of like we're still going to stretch we're still going to stretch before we work out and run around but we're also going to like change it up just enough to where it's not exactly what you expected and i think we can do that in the classroom just as much yeah max what you got thanks for raising your hand oh i saw that you were about to start speaking and i didn't want to (laughs) allow that 
Ben. Yes. <laughs> you were the person to bring up sports, and I am here to make you regret it. <laughs> I think that as a civilian, a non-athlete myself, I think that being a sports fan allows me to cultivate surprise within my own life. I love sports, and I follow teams very closely, and I, you, I will, like you will, there's always a chance, a great chance at some great surprises while you are watching a sporting event. So I think that's a really cool metaphor that you just brought up and that sports is a way to cultivate surprise in your life. Not just if you're an athlete yourself or a coach of an athlete, but just like as a plebeian who enjoys sports, you know? Yeah. So is gambling. Yeah. But that's illegal in a lot more places. <laughs> like <laughs> what, 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 what do a lot of people gamble yeah. on? Sports. What? Sports. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're talking about over the hedge. And... Hey, man, I was just expanding your metaphor. Well, speaking of over the hedge, do we, do we see that this is also this, this element of surprise is, is, can be used to rejuvenate relationships, whether it's romantic or familial, but bringing in things that kind of break up the mundane or something that can create strong points of connection, can create stories together, can create moments together. And so that element of surprise can be really helpful in building relationships over time. It's my favorite element. Way cooler than carbon. Or boron. <laughs> Correct. Anyway, um, so one of the things that I like about surprise that I noticed in this was I was like, I'm a, in the same way that Max was surprised by the, the direction of using space as a vehicle for story, I was surprised at how unsurprised I was <laughs> about hearing the HOA jokes that were in this. So can we talk about HOAs for a second? Rather, can I vent about HOAs for a second? Yes. So HOAs, homeowners associations, Thank you. Seeping with are the are the worst. <laughs> like so like one of the like Sunshine, what is the premise of an HOA? To maintain property value. To maintain property that is value, the only right? Purpose. And so what what like this joke about 2.5 inches of grass versus two inches of grass that was like a throwaway conversation that homegirl was having on the phone. That's a real thing that people have experienced. Ex that The reason that like is a thing that lands in this movie is because that's real. I had a friend that put up a sign that in, in her yard that was, I think something along the lines of black lives matter. And the homeowners association was like, you have to take that down. And and they were like, why? And what happened was she followed up with the homeowners association. Can you help me understand why I have to take this down? Because signs aren't allowed. Can you show me where in the like all of the all the literature? Yeah. Where does it say I cannot have this sign? They couldn't do it. They still made her take the sign down. It was like this whole like big deal. And it's one of those things where I'm like, y'all, it is a sign. That is helping people feel welcome. And you're telling me that you can't do that? Oh, I know why. Racism. This yeah. is bad. When it always gets pinned on, so well, like, well, what, then someone else could put up a Confederate flag sign, exactly. and, and that's not okay. Yeah. You're like, well, those are two very different things. You think? <laughs> so, um, but HOAs, again, they are, how do we keep homeostasis? How do we make things look good? How do we keep certain people out so that we can... Down with the patriarchy. So that we Down can maintain our value, perceived value. And this touches on it. Like, it, it, it touches on gentrification in this it movie. It sure does. Or this idea of, like, we are going to kick living things out. We are going to build our presence here. 
Yep. And then we are going to demonize colonization and, and villainize right? this idea of the uh, the original people or animals that were here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. I uh down. Like so, like that's what suburbs are like white flight. You know what I mean? Yes. So this idea of oh we need to go to a safe place, away from other people. Yeah. When really they mean people that don't look like them. Yes. Um, and there's a lot of laws and that have made that possible over time, and specific groups of people haven't been able to get rent and. So I'm sad that I was not surprised by the two and a half inch grass joke that they threw into the movie. I'm su- I'm sad that I was not surprised by that. No, there was a lot of language that that the villain, the HOA president, says that were that were dog whistles to to racism. And granted, <laughs> to be fair, it was quote played up, but at the same time, like I was pre- I've met HOA people that are I know that that's that's not that wasn't hyperbolic. It I mean it it was meant to be, but it's not like. <laughs> I've dealt and have seen, you know, people who are that bad. And if that's the only thing you do, right? Like, then you need other things to do. You need other do. things to do. <laughs> uh, okay. Max, you have any other moments of surprise that you, you noticed from this movie? Well, here's a new question that we could pontificate for a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, I kind of viewed this movie through more of a lens of pleasant surprise. Oh, interesting. Um, but... One thing that we saw toward the end of the movie is RJ, after like being kind of selfish and, and using all of these foragers to uh, get a log full of food to bring back to Vincent the bear, mm-hmm. um, he realizes that uh, how welcoming and how much like a family uh, the foragers have become to him and realizes that he needs to go back and help the foragers out after uh, the exterminator um, captures all of the foragers. Uh, so... I think it is safe to say that Vern and the gang were pleasantly surprised to see that RJ has come back after his moment or several moments of being selfish. So ultimately what I'm getting at is, is pleasant surprise driven by a lack of expectations. And how do we feel about that? I think all surprises are based upon our expectations, right? And so we go through life cultivating and creating expectations based off of that. I mean, that's, that's what trust is. It's our expectation of how the other person will react. Right. And the more trust we have, the more we can truly expect the way that they will respond and not necessarily what they will say, but how they will respond in terms of like, whether they will say, whether they will accept what we did or not, or accept us, even though we may have done something else that is not okay. So yeah, I think it's all about expectations. And I think that, one of the things I love about this moment is that kindness leads to kindness, right? If you are deceiving, you don't expect kindness. So RJ, after he has been deceiving this group of foragers for like over the, over the course of a week, they build him everything that he ever wanted and talked about and all the things he dreamed about and they gave it to him. And that was, he was so surprised because he was living in his deceit. Whereas, Kindness, if you are in kindness, living with kindness, giving kindness, expecting kindness back is kind of where you live. And so to me, in a way, it feels like the more deceptive we are, the more we are surprised that we can encounter good things in the world, which makes me wonder like, oh, well, maybe if I put more good out into the world, maybe I will 
be surrounded by it more you know that almost speaks to like this this spiral this downward spiral that happens of i don't want to feel disappointed i don't want to feel the pain that comes with someone not meeting my expectations so as a protection measure i'm going to set low expectations which then in turn people tend to treat people as if they have low expectations for them and it's it kind of bubbles up and kind of starts to we see this downward spiral. So I guess the question I'm asking is, do we set low expectations for people so that we're not disappointed and not surprised when they don't meet them? And then do we treat people differently because of that? I think yes. I absolutely think yes. I think we treat people differently based off what we expect from them. Because you see this group treat RJ like one of them. Because he has been acting like that. Correct. Right? And, and thus allows him to kind of live into that. Like he feels that... We accept the love we think we deserve, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, he doesn't feel this. He doesn't feel that love. But eventually he gets there because they helped, like, they treated him with the best intentions as if he was giving, doing the best. And, and they were giving him the most general, general. Uh, and I think that that was generous assumption, right? Powerful enough to make it so that when he was confronted with the choice, he was like, no, that was more important to me. But how do we balance that aspect of it, too? Because here's the, like, does that go too far where you then have too high of expectations for someone that are unfair or unrealistic and thus, you know, they're not able to ever meet your expectations? I almost think, you know, parents maybe who put a lot of expectations onto their children, that ends up being unfair. And so, like, they never meet those that's standards. Probably my, that's probably my biggest worry for myself. And, like, I... I know that I am one that holds high expectations of people and I like in my, if I ever have the opportunity to raise children, I think that that will be one of the things that I'm constantly asking myself. So how do you do that? Right. How do you, how do you assume the best set high expectations to help people live into those high expectations because they can, and then not go past it to where you're setting unrealistic expectations for people. Well, I, I, and do you, do you alone have to set those or should you be setting those expectations in tandem with those individuals? I think the difference is my expectations and my love for you are not the same. Like if you meeting my expectations and my love for you are not the same. Yeah. So you hitting that, those expectations does I, not dictate the care that I give to you. Correct. Yeah. And that's where it, I think that's the line is when, when we are working with people and, and there are, there, there's a trope in like, so many different television shows, especially animes, where there's this character that is just overwhelmingly good, and they like they say everything right. They're incredibly forgiving, and then they're also incredibly quote naive. But at the same time, what happens is their goodness overcomes their naivety, and so it's really interesting in that trope. But for for me, when I think about like how I want to raise my kids. I want my kids to do well. I want my kids to be well. I want my kids to be good. I want to make sure that the the people that I'm interacting with are good. I'm going to have like feedback is a function of respect. I'm going to respect my children enough to tell them when they, when they screw up and I'm going to have enough love for them that when they screw up, I'm going to forgive that. And I'm going to, I'm going to have, there's going to be mercy. There's, there's going to be grace, Right. And I think that it's balancing those things. And how do you provide that grace? How do you provide that that feedback without judgment? Because that's what is that's what's harming, right? Is when you are raising that kid with high expectations, when you are talking to your friends, holding someone accountable with high expectations, and then you do so without doing it in a compassionate and loving way, 
and you only are saying, I believe that you could have done better. I, I like it, it like you, there's this, the way we do it is important. You should have been valedictorian and you disappointed me because you're not. Yeah. Right? That's, like, that's not how I'd go about it. <laughs> that's, not the, that's not the way. No, no. So yeah, I just, cause RJ, I think is an example of this character that they, some people didn't believe in him at all, or some people saw him as only this thief. It would have been and some incredibly people... easy to write him off. And Correct. Like, nope, he made a mistake. I don't want that in my life. And then they welcomed him back. There should also be some, like, accountability for, like, hey, sure. you left us out to dry. We love that you came back. And, and they were, <laughs> like, that, that tension there was there. Like, like they were mad at him. They were like, nope, we're not letting you in this yeah. way. We're going to let you get eat by that bear. Yep. <laughs> like, like it's like, and so there was, that tension was there. And I just, it's just really interesting to talk about. Like yeah, Stella was not happy with him. She wasn't. She made her dress up like a cat. I love the kind of surprise of Stella's being accepted for who she is after Stella! The, the stink after she stunk up the house. Oh, I cannot and the smell cat was anything. Like, that, that has no no effect on how I feel about you. And like that's just kind of a nice moment for for them to be like, I, I, I just like you for who you are. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that one down too. Yeah, were, a, were you surprised by it, or what was your? Take I thought on that the was surprise? a that was a moment of pleasant surprise. From her or from you? From from all of the above. For her. For her. Interesting. For Interesting. her. she That gave her quite the confidence boost. Yeah. It did. Well, we heard earlier in the, the show, like, oh, you think we're ever going to find someone who is X, Y, and Z and can't smell? And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, wait, you can't smell? Like, that's like the biggest hurdle. And it's just like, it only goes to show that when you have high expectations, sometimes if you put yourself out there, you can you can find some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Other big moments. Max, what about you? You got any other ones you want to lift up? Uh, so we just kind of, we did the Stella bit a second ago where uh, some, just some of the references to other movies I thought were quite surprising and, and like the Stella, Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. the Rosebud. Rosebud. William Shatner at his best, honestly. It's fun little moments in there. Um, I kind of want to dive into how we can use surprise and new things and the unknown as a way to manipulate because we see that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's pretty common. Uh, politically, most most politicians seem to rely on a lack of information to be able to sway you or this, this surprising new thing to, to sway you. And we see RJ do that at the beginning. We see him use this as like, no, that's just a hedge. And on the other side of it, a bunch of food. Joy. Which, like, <laughs> may or, like, which we probably should understand is not healthy for those animals to be eating all that stuff, right? So, I mean, they talk about how it's going to build a great layer of fat. <laughs> so I just... Keeps them very warm in the winter. So that's not... That's not uh, but that's good for him, right? So this... But we can use surprising new things and novelty as a way to manipulate or, like, get people to, to do what we want. And I think that that's something we have to acknowledge that someone might be doing in in specific moments. That we might be seeing a lack of information or using new information incorrectly 
to well, convey a, a whole bunch of people into doing something. Which is part of the reason there's such a call for media literacy, right? We we are responsible for the information that we are sharing. And when we just like liberally go on there and like tweet, 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 and retweet, 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 all these things that may or may not be true, we are spreading false information, right? And that false information directly correlates to how people respond to the event, right? If people are seeing a bunch of things that say it is, you know, don't like, I don't know, there's, if they see something is not okay, like, oh, don't go to Harris Teeter because of X, Y, and Z. It's a grocery store for those of you that are. <laughs> it's the COVID related stuff, right? Like how yeah, many, like how many articles and things a better or stuff gets pushed out that's just kind of like, <laughs> this is a study. And you're like, yeah, but if you read that study, that is not the head, like that headline does not accurately depict First the COVID study. case found in tigers at the zoo. Right. Or, yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin Sorbo, the guy who, played hercules back in the day recently tweeted something along the lines of it's been 10 months shouldn't all the non-mask wearers be dead and you're just kind of like that's not how it works and like at this point you should like you should know this and so i've got a lot of concerns and comments (laughs) so it's just kind of like those are the things where you're just kind of like we see that this is something that when something new happens or this people are lashing on to just different pieces of information or, or cherry picking pieces of information to kind of create a narrative. And, and we see that when things are new and surprising or, or we get scared, right? If we get into our fight, flight or freeze, we're looking for a lifeline, even if it's not truly attached to where we need it to be attached to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so I just, that was something that struck home for me as I saw RJ using the unknown of the hedge to kind of manipulate the foragers. Max, have you ever used surprise to manipulate someone? Not as far as I know. Feel surprised when you find out you're manipulated. Yeah, this is true. I think the whole group was surprised. I think they were. Yeah, I think they were. Any other big moments from this movie that are worth highlighting? We haven't even talked about the uh, the exterminator yet. That's because his he, character wasn't very surprising. Yeah. <laughs> it's just well he attempts to use the element of surprise to capture some some vermin nailed it it's my favorite element it's very true but uh, rj's pretty smart and like seems to he must have this this life before the movie began of like understanding how like traps work and lasers and like oh that laser pointer bit to get the squirrel where he needed to go was Genius. Genius. Yeah. Truly. Yeah, RJ's a learned raccoon. <laughs> it's true. Street true. smarts. Well read. Yeah, were you surprised by that? No, I mean, <laughs> raccoons are... <laughs> Tell I, me more about surprise. I guess <laughs> raccoons are smart, but this was a lone wolf raccoon. Did you know raccoon poop is apparently, like, poisonous? Wow. No, I didn't. It's a very surprising fact to learn. I've learned that through a podcast I listen to. I feel like most poop. I feel like most poop is poisonous. Like you shouldn't eat most. Yeah, I poop. don't think you should eat poop. No, like I'm saying, like the 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 smell, like being around raccoon poop can be poisonous. Like it can release toxins. Toxins that can wow. poison you. Is it poisonous? I thought it's. So I guess ingestion through smell or through like. I don't know about yeah. Anyway, it's still poisonous. You're not supposed to, like, mess with raccoon poop, you know? Can we talk about these young Girl Scout-type people, that, the, the scene with the, the Girl Scouts? 
Sure. Let's talk about them. Um, I, I'm that for lack of a better word, that's what I will use since they're, that's the trope they're falling into. But so the, when RJ is planning, uh, a, a heist, a heist in which it is dependent upon these young ladies responding a certain way. Right. And they don't respond that way. So I think it's interesting when you go into a, a situation expecting a specific result, right? And you your whole plan hinges on that expectation. All of a sudden, things go awry. And so what I'm what I'm thinking about this is you are going to have a negative surprise response if you are locked into only one way you can go in and it doesn't go that way because what happens is they're like oh rabid rabid squirrel and they're like nope i have the manual for a rabid squirrel and then they proceed to beat him <laughs> and then and that's not the way that you expect i don't think that's also in the respond. manual i don't think the manual for dealing with a rabid squirrel did you see said, it it was in the it was in the said, manual it said beat him no but like in, i saw like, hey i saw like, his picture was they, in the manual they had a picture of like a void and but, do and they, here are the steps you follow that it wasn't written out for us to read but it was there i don't think macing the squirrel and beating it but it's is, interesting is how you should handle but that. they but they came i don't know they were prepared because that was in the manual they were not prepared for apparently a turtle they didn't know it was a turtle he came out of a shell yeah which is not possible. i don't think that's possible <laughs> by the way it's not that is an exoskeleton yeah it's fused it is literally their body it's their body yeah it's not something. That, it's not like a hermit crab. Correct. You got it, patrons. Don't go telling all these people you Some know. Turtle butts don't look like that. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you know that after you listen to this podcast, turtles cannot come out of their shell. Who's the best so, fictional turtle? I out think there? I'm just saying, don't underestimate Ooh. young ladies. Is it ladies. Franklin? Best fiction. Uh, it might be Crush. Crush is a good one. There's also the Ninja Turtles. Right, but then you have to choose from four. People love Franklin. Franklin's a solid fictional turtle. Oh. Is Vern bottom tier? <laughs> Dude, don't you what have a turtle what named Frank, Vern? Franklin. What you about do Franklin? have a turtle named Vern, don't you? Like Franklin the turtle? That's what. That's what I just said. Oh, I didn't hear. hear don't that. you have a turtle named Vern? Tortoise. <laughs> it's a tortoise, sunshine. How it's dare a, you? It's amphibious. Percy and Vern. It's ambidextrous. I get it. Uh, Percy and Vern are what Doc Brown names his kids after in uh, Back to the Future Three, right? N- n- that's not what they're named after. No, they named after Percy Jackson. Oh. No. I don't know the characters of that. They're older than Percy Jackson. They are it's older like a than Galapagos. Percy It's a Galapagos thing, right? No. They're all Dabra tortoises. Patrons, did you know that our family has three tortoises? Um, and we the also Bending have... Not Breaking family has yeah. three tortoises. <laughs> anyway. All right, There's a the... Vern Percy on Facebook. Is that who they're Are there any after? other moments of surprise in the movie for over the hedge that y'all would like to to talk about before we move on to our devotion and our gratitude. It's a very short runtime. I want to. Was that a surprise to you? That it was... kind of, an hour twenty three is a very. It's two hours and six minutes. Three minutes. An yeah. hour. An hour and twenty three minutes. Is Not it... one hundred and twenty three minutes. Oh, I thought I thought you said one hundred. It's eighty. It's eighty three minutes. Yeah, it's an eighty three minute movie. I was pretty okay with that. Here's a moment of pleasant, pleasant surprise. So we talked about this being one of the greatest Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara vehicles of all time. You talked about that. <laughs> I don't think we agree. Well, <laughs> guess what? Here's a moment of surprise listed. If you watch the in credits, listed in those credits, we talked about Schitt's Creek earlier as well. Guess who is a lighting artist for this movie? Alexis. Dan Levy. 
Be- Aww, very nice. Dan Levy, the bebe. Yes. So that was Have you all heard the lighting t- on a... There was a TikTok. Uh, don't worry where, about uh, it. <laughs> on an animated movie. I'm, guess, the- I'm guessing it was like, oh, Eugene Levy's son wants to be in this movie, or, like be a part of this movie. I'm, how old was Dan Levy in 2006? Have you all seen the TikTok where Catherine O'Hara's character from Schitt's Creek is singing Santa Bebe, except it's not her singing it. It's some dude that's really funny in I've, her accent. Yeah, I think I have seen it's that. It's hilarious. Yes. Santa Bebe. He would have been 23 at this point. Yeah, this might have been. Maybe this was his first movie job. You he know? might have done something on it. There might be lighting with animation. Like, maybe you have to worry about, like, where the light's coming Shadows from. Shadows. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Jesus Creek is so good. Agreed. I'm, I'm, this is what launched Dan Levy's career. Over the Hedge. You think that's his first credit? People forget that Over the Hedge launched Dan Levy's career. And, and with that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break. That's and why it's one of the best Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara shortly. vehicles. He was a wedding guest a in Kelly Clarkson's Behind with Hazel a Eyes video. devotion on I love that song. Air and Surprise. Here I Air am and Surprise. Once again. And so we'll be back Torn momentarily. Torn pieces, can't, I can't defend. Surprised you are the one. Yeah, we'll be back soon. He's not listed on IMDb as that being a credit for him. It could be a different. I mean, Dan Levy's probably a, a common enough name that I just assumed it was Eugene's it was, yeah, but son. No. We'll be right back. Finally had a chance to take a break. I'm really excited to bring us back to our devotion time where we talk about surprise and we're going to talk about air this week with our devotion. So what we've done is theoretically, for those of you who need a reminder, we're setting in a goal or intention using the element of air as a vehicle to talk about surprise. And we're going to set a goal that way. So Max, Sunshine, who wants to give their goal first? I can give mine first. You got it, bud. Uh, so let's take a walk here. Uh, toward walking. the beginning of the episode, Sunshine talked about when he was defining what surprise is. He gave uh, the popping of a balloon as an example of... I knew he listened. Of To the episode that we're doing, sure. <laughs> yeah, not the, not the ones he's just producing. Yeah. He talked about the popping of a balloon as sometimes being the cause of, of, of a fear-based surprise. Uh, but I caught... I caught... Um, or I thought about that a little bit more, and... After the initial scare of the pop of the balloon, what is that often followed by? Laughter. Laughter. Very good, Sunshine. I am doing it. You're such a good student. <laughs> so I, I think that's a really cool thing to think about, and I think that uh, that is a, a way to remind me to uh, just because a balloon full of air got popped, it may be scary, but I can laugh at myself afterwards. And maybe to be more receptive to surprise and remember that surprises are... Uh, just little challenges that maybe we can laugh about later. Um, and uh, that's going to be my goal is to be receptive to surprise and um, turn it into an opportunity for growth and laughter. That's what we're going to do this month, this month for Max. Sunshine, what about you? The idea of how do we spice up education. I just I, I run a lot of youth programs, and I think it's something that I can focus on in, in the upcoming 
few weeks is this this idea of how do we create more surprising turns to those programs to make them more engaging to to breathe a little life into them if you will and so how do we make that happen so having a heavy focus on small changes that we can make and small tweaks we can make inside of those programs to create a more engaging experience is something that i really want to focus on this week great oh i thought you were gonna give us a little example no i haven't thought of them yet i just think that's that's why I'm going to focus on them this week. Oh, okay. So next month we're going to hear some of your examples. Yeah, I doubt okay. it. But, so, you know. For me. If it comes up. I thought, I was like, what is surprising in relation to air? And I was like, tornadoes. Tornadoes are surprising. They come out of nowhere. The movie Twister. Yeah. Terrifying. Right? That's With Holly my, Hunter. That's my. Uh, Helen Hunt. Yeah. That's okay. I was like, that's my that's my biggest horror movie right there is is Twister. Right? Gosh. So you got to watch some other horror movies. There are definitely some I? scarier ones out I, there. I Sharknado. Um, anyway, tornadoes kind of erupt one through four out of nowhere, and I, I think that oftentimes air we don't realize that we're out of air until it's gone. Right? <laughs> like it's one of those things we don't realize that we are not. And so, just being more mindful of of our, of the air that is around us, being more more grateful for the calm that we exist in now rather than like really terrified and surprised when the tornado comes because tornadoes always are going to come like that's, they're not just going to stop existing, but it's one of those things where like, I can be grateful for the calm that I'm in now. I can be grateful for the things that I am currently taking for granted and cultivate a little bit more gratitude, kind of like our gratitude practice, which I, you know, I think that's a pretty good segue into a gratitude practice because, you know, I'm going to cultivate some gratitude around like my everyday, but now we're going to go into gratitude. I'm just saying it's a pretty yeah. good segue. Keep going, keep going strong. What's your gratitude this week? My gratitude this week is for Vern. Vern? Vern, the, the turtle who is also a reptile. And it is it is hard being the fun killer and doing things that you believe to be right and that you know that others won't like when you believe it is the right thing to do. And it's hard to kind of be alone and stand up for that. And that's I mean, that's what integrity is. It's it's choosing courage over comfort and practicing your values over just professing them. And I think that. Vern really shows us what that looks like. And could he have done it differently? Sure. Could there have been more communication? Yes. But I, I just, I'm really grateful that, that he stood for what he believed to be right. And that's why I'm grateful for Vern. What about y'all? I'm grateful for the mom driving the van that hits the possum. Allegedly. Fake. Allegedly. Yes. She had to deal with kids trying to touch the possum. She had to deal with an HOA president in her face screaming uh, to her about the possum. And I think she did it with a lot of patience um, and grace. And so I want to give her a little bit of gratitude and thanks because none of those things are easy. Um, I can't imagine living in that neighborhood with that HOA president is easy. And so yeah, props, props to her. I'm lifting her up. That's my gratitude. I think she needs that. She dealt with a lot of surprises and dealt with them. Um, with a lot of grace. If I were her, I'd be really grateful for, for you lifting that up. But I'm not. Max? I definitely don't have that same amount of patience sometimes. Nope. So normally y'all do a good job of asking me during a Max's Choice episode, Max, why did you make this choice? But you never did this time around, so I'm going I to... I already knew the answer. 
Well, I, our patrons don't. So while I'm sharing <laughs> my my gratitude, I want to share a little bit more about why I chose this film because clearly none of us loved it or even <laughs> like it necessary, necessarily. But why are you chirping? Uh, he was doing the tune of a song that is in this movie. Speaking of songs that are in this movie, all of the songs in this movie were written by my favorite musician of all time, Mr. Ben Folds. Uh, so today, I want to be—I want to share my gratitude for Ben Folds for doing something that a little bit outside of his element, uh, writing songs for a movie that had, rocking the suburbs. He had never done anything like that before. Uh, so I want to share my gratitude for Ben Folds for being an excellent musician uh, with eclectic talents and for uh, maybe going a little bit outside of his comfort zone and doing songs written for the specific purpose of being in a movie. I think that's pretty neat. And I'm 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 gracious for all people who uh, are willing to go outside of their comfort zone and and put put some creative art and good into the world. So thank you, Ben Folds, for providing the music to this film. And... If you're curious, is is that the is y'all's podcast about Ben Fold still around somewhere that they can find? I think it is. Yeah. Funnily enough, Max and Sunshine did a uh, what four episode arc? Was it how many episodes? I mean, it was more than four. Probably twelve. Episodes, twelve episode all on arc. Ben Folds, I would all guess. On ben I would Folds. guess less than twelve. It's how many? However, many albums? Several album episodes and Ben Folds five around Ben Folds that you can go find, and the host of that is the Arc of E. It's the Music Arc podcast. The Music it's Arc think, podcast. Yep. It's called Lost in the Folds. Lost, Lost in the Folds in is the, the yeah little sub show. I'm not there, so I can understand why you wouldn't listen. But if you're interested in hearing them talk about Ben Folds, that is a great way for you to to hear more about Ben Folds. Absolutely. And you can hear more about Bending Not Breaking and us, because y'all are patrons and you know everything already, on, you know, all the Instagrams and TikToks and things. And make sure, like, we love it when y'all comment and respond to things. So don't be scared. We we like hearing from you. Um, all those little things tell us that we're, you know, doing something that is valuable. So, you know, we'd like it if you did. B&B underscore pod. Yeah. Send a voice voicemails. Voicemails are great. Rate and review our podcast on uh, Ooh, Apple. If you haven't or... done that yet, that's really helpful way of helping us. We'd love that. Yeah, nice like nicely worded. If you write a cool one, we'll read it on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, thank y'all so much, Max. Thank you. Thank you for choosing this new Max's choice. Will be up next month. That's right. We'll have we'll come out you with something new. Maybe an episode of Shit's Creek. Maybe we already did a Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara vehicle. Maybe we'll do a musical next time. When Ben Folds writes a musical, we'll definitely do it. Maybe we can do a waitress from Sarah Bareilles, the Broadway show, or Thirty Six Questions oh. with Jesse. The world is our oyster, y'all. Who's... Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sunshine. I also really like Wicked. It's a great musical. Mm-hmm. Whose choice is it though? Max's. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Just. You often just need a little bit of like a little help nah. because you you take forever to make choices. Are we in a rush? Sometimes yes. I disagree. And this has been Pruitt, and this has been Bending Not Breaking. Until next time, be well and do good. Thank you for listening. Bye. Max, say goodbye. Oh, uh, bye. Thank you, Max. Mm-hmm.